Good morning. Happy New Year. And happy new decade and all of that. Thank you for joining us. If you are here because it's the first time and you made a resolution, welcome. <laughs> welcome to West Bowls. My name is Nathan, and we, we say this a lot, but we, we believe every bit of this. This is a place where our prayer and our hope is that this would be a place where you can connect with Jesus, connect with people, and connect people with Jesus. So, I mentioned resolutions. Let me get a show of hands. How many of you are like the resolution, like you make resolutions every New Year's? Show of hands. Okay, all right, all right. I'll get to the rest of you in a minute. That includes me as well, all right. So the resolution crowd. I, I really admire people who make resolutions because the act of making a resolution really is God's fingerprint upon us. And what it really says is that I, as I look at my time, as you look at your time, we want to make the highest, best use of our time, don't we? I mean, none of us intentionally likes to waste time over a long period. None of us likes to, uh, we all want to maximize our time. And, and as a result, at New Year's, a lot of times we look around and we go, how can I make different use of my time? And what that really speaks to, what it really speaks to is not just as you look at your hours and your days and your weeks, it speaks to actually as you look at your life. I want to walk through this life, God, with the highest potential you have, with everything that you wired into me, with everything you created for me. That's how I want to walk through my life. And so the question we're really looking at over the course of this month is, how do I walk through life most wisely? How do I walk through life clockwise? How do I walk through like that? Now, let me, um, let me just get a show of hands. I mean, I could kind of see it. How many of you did not make resolutions? Okay, all right. I would also be raising my hand right now. And there's something about this that you get as well, okay? And you may think, well, resolution's not the way to walk through life wisely. But you don't make resolutions for the same reason I don't make resolutions because they often turn out, I did a search of the hashtag resolution fail on Twitter, and you and I both know this is how resolutions usually go when I make an attempt to do better, okay? This one said, I, my resolution was to become a vegetarian. That night, I remembered I didn't like vegetables. <laughs> Next one, I can't believe it's been a year since I did not become a better person and lose weight. Next one, my resolution was to eat healthy, so now I add more veggies to my burgers and fries. Um, since the beginning of the new year, I have said no bacon, but since then it has been mo bacon. <laughs> my new exercise pants have turned into really comfortable sleeping and movie pants. Wanted a balanced diet, and I'm trying to find the recommended daily allowance of M&Ms. And then this one just really kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Started my diet on January 1st. Girl Scouts showed up to sell cookies January 3rd. <laughs> Moved my resolution from a diet to supporting good causes. <laughs> Two more. My resolution was to read more, so I put the subtitles on my TV. Let's close in prayer. I think that, that says it all. <laughs> and one more, I actually uh, can kind of relate to this one. Not like this guy, but 
My resolution was to make better decisions. Four days later, I got stuck in a baby swing and had to call the fire department to come get me out. <laughs> uh, yep, that's, that's about how resolutions go. And there is something about all those, and there's something in all of us that when we think about a resolution, whether we decide to say yes or no to making a resolution, there is this emphasis and there is maybe even a natural self-centeredness inside every single one of us that we, we emphasize our doing and our activity because honestly, I know it's true of me and as, as I've talked with many of you, that my doing, a lot of us think our doing is going to bring greater value to our being. And so we make resolutions or we, maybe it's not at January 1st, but it's throughout the year. We try something different. And you get through all these things and you have those experiences like we just read. And if you do that enough, you know what we tend to do? We throw our hands up. We go, what's the use? There's no hope. And yeah, Nathan, it sounds good to walk through, through life clockwise and to be wise with the time that I've been given. But how do you do that? Because every time I try... It just doesn't go so well. And, and I try to muster willpower, and I try to exercise willpower, and it just doesn't go that way. And so this morning, this morning, as we begin over January, talking about what does it look like to be clockwise and to use the time we've been given wisely, I, I want to bring first a perspective and ask, a, we're going to land at a question this morning that I want us all to chew on over the next week and throughout this next month. But I want to bring the perspective of somebody who sat exactly where you sit and walked in the same shoes that you walk in, and it's a man named King Solomon. Now, King Solomon was, was considered the wisest, outside Jesus, the wisest human being to have ever walked this earth. And here's what you need to know about King Solomon. He had more time than you and I will ever have. In fact, the, the time that he served as king, he, it was considered the golden age of Israel. Because he had built such an army that they enjoyed relative peace during his, his reign as king. Relative peace. But he had, so as a result of that, because he had everything secured, he had more time than you and I will ever have. He had more wealth than you and I will ever have. And he had more wisdom than you and I will ever have. So you know what he did with all this time and with all this money and all this wisdom? He went on a search. And he went on a search for the exact same thing that deep down you and I are searching for. He went on a search for fulfillment. Because isn't that really what we're getting at when we make resolutions? That if I could just get my activity straight, if I could get it figured out in this one area of life, then maybe I'd feel just a little bit more fulfilled deep down inside. And so Solomon, with all this time and all this money and all this wisdom, he said, I'm going to go on a search. And, and as we read in, there's this book, he, this book of the Bible we have, but he wrote something called Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes, he comes to this summary question that's kind of the result of all of his searching. All of his searching. It's in chapter 3, verse 9, and here's the question. He looked around, he said, what do workers gain from their toil? What is there to gain from all the energy expended and all the work and all the toil, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. Now, could I stop and ask you, have you been there? 
where it, whether it's a long day at work or a long, exhausting season where you look around and you just go, what's the use? I mean, what comes of all of my energy and all of my work and all of my just spending and expending of myself? What comes of all that? Because it's just, there's this burden that comes with walking through this life. And right now you're going, wow, pastor, I'm glad I, glad I came to church on New Year's. It gets, it gets better when you get perspective. But he says, what's the use? And really that question comes on the heels of chapters 1 and 2 of Ecclesiastes. He looks around and he says, everything is meaningless. It's meaningless. Pleasure is meaningless. Wisdom is meaningless. Work and toil, it's meaningless. Because there's this burden that comes with this life. He gets it. He gets it. He says, look, I made a resolution to lose 10 pounds, and now there are 20 to go to reach that resolution. He understands. And if you're in here, there, there's something that I, I just had to think about me for a little bit when it came to this. See, when we're young and we read this and we hear this, there is something in us that says, well, I'm going to be the exception. I'm going to prove this wrong. And the reason for that is because we haven't had as much life experience as other people yet. And we certainly haven't been able to explore everything that King Solomon got to go in search of and in pursuit of. And then you get to people that, uh, like, I was thinking about us, and I was thinking, oh, I feel like we're kind of ha- like at halftime in life, kind of like the midpoint. And there are all these things on our plate. I mean, it's family, and it's work, and there's school and there's friends and there's and there are all kinds of stuff and and the errands and keeping up with with everything in our lives and it's easy to hear that and look around at it and go you're telling me solomon it's meaningless absolutely meaningless and we're going to see in a moment solomon would say yeah yeah as long as you look through these eyes at everything under the sun meaningless and then there are those of you in here that are older And you're hearing this, and you know what I suspect you're thinking? I knew it. I knew it. That explains so much because you've been through the ups and downs of life. And you've gone in pursuit of a lot of the things. You could relate to King Solomon. And it's easy to look around and go, man, it feels meaningless. But I imagine one day Solomon, as he's writing this, this is in the context. I think he was listening to the radio. And this, this song came on. Yeah, he, he had this Bible study going on the radio, and he just started writing. Now, who knew that the birds were around in 950 B.C., but maybe they were. No, you've heard that song. You know what that song comes from? This passage. In fact, right before Solomon wrote that question, he wrote what became many of the lyrics of this song. Here's what he said. He said, you've got to see it in the perspective of this. He says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun, a time to be born and a time to die, a time, <clears throat> a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, 
a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. I mean, isn't it true that would pretty much describe last year as you thought through it? And it's very likely, King Solomon says, that's probably what this coming year looks like as we sit at the top of the year 2020. And the truth is, when you look at that list, many of us, there's, there's a part of that list that you would want all or most of the time, isn't there? And then there's a part of that list that most of us would want little to none of the time. And when life decides to implement these seasons, when these seasons come along, you know what we do? We start trying to control, and we start trying to avoid, and we start trying to maybe protect and preserve or prevent. Because we'd prefer to stay in maybe one season much longer. But Solomon's getting at something. He's saying, look, everything, everything, everything changes. Everything changes. You want to know why pleasure and wisdom and work and toil, it's all meaningless? Because there are cycles to life. There are these cycles that happen in our lives. And all of our activity has to be seen in light of and with the perspective of the cycles and the seasons of life. And he's really holding up a reminder here. And it's a reminder you and I need that there is a brevity to our human activity. There are limitations to what we do. I, I got this reminder doing youth ministry years ago. I remember, I mean, you grow up with things and it's like, oh, that's a fixture. Like that's a staple. Everybody knows about that. And so one day I was talking to these junior hires and I was like, yeah, it's kind of like that old show Doogie Hauser, MD. Who remembers Doogie Hauser? <laughs> All right, I'm noticing the age of the people who just raised their hand. Yeah. And like all the junior hires were like, what did you, Dookie? Did you say Dookie? No, Doogie Hauser, MD. Like he wrote in his personal, personal journal on MS-DOS at the end of every episode. And it was painful. I think he was typing like this to watch. So I went, okay, I can get over that. Then one day, I'm talking about Michael Jordan. Okay, surely everybody knows who Michael Jordan is. Yeah, one, one girl didn't know who Michael Jordan was. I went, okay, what? Like, he, he, he like, broke all the records. He's, he's Michael Jordan. He's been in movies. He's, he's, again, he's broken all the records. like one of the greatest basketball players to ever live. She's like, but here's the one that really did it for me, okay? I made a reference. Don't get mad. I'm still getting over this one. I made a reference to Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Yeah, we all hopefully remember Saved by the Bell. One girl did not know Saved by the Bell, and she was like, what's Saved by the Bell? I said, call your parents and tell them to come get you. You, you need to leave youth group right now. Because what was so big to me and what was so permanent to me was really just a season. It was just a season. There's a brevity to our human activity. It's not permanent. It changes. Now, Solomon's about to move into this next thing, and this is the reason. If you ever open the book of Ecclesiastes, do not study it over days. 
Do not study it over weeks because you will be depressed for a good chunk of that time. Read it all at once because where he starts the book is not where he finishes the book. Listen to what he says in verse 11, right on the heels of the question he asked. He said, he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Do you believe that? I mean, as you think about the season of life that you're in right now, because some people are in a season of, you relate to the season of grieving and mourning. And some of you can relate to a season of celebration and birth. There, there's a statement in that list that talks about scattering stones. And what would happen is if you, were, if you had an enemy who had a field and you wanted to really set them back and you wanted to really get in their way and really create a lot of work for them and really frustrate them, you would throw stones into their field. And those stones had to be removed before everything could grow the way it was supposed to grow because it was a very agricultural setting. And some of you are in that season right now where it just feels like there, there's just no progress to be made. Somebody has thrown rocks and stones all over your field. And you're in a season where you know you're going to have to pick them up. See, there are all kinds of seasons. There are emotional seasons. There are physical seasons in here. All kinds of seasons. Life operates in these cycles. But Solomon says, you know what? Every single one of them, in its time, that doesn't mean when it always happens from a human perspective, when humans get their fingers in everything, but in its time, every season is beautiful in its time. He continues on. He says, look, if you're, if you're looking, if you're looking at all these things through the eyes of sight, physical sight, it's all going to feel meaningless. But then he says this statement that I believe is really the key to understanding not just what he wrote in Ecclesiastes, but it helps understand all of us. He says this. He, he has also set eternity in the human heart. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Now, that probably just solved a mystery for, for some people in here, didn't it? It solved one for me. Because some in here, it's not been a tough season. It's you've maybe achieved everything you can achieve in your field or in your area. And you've gotten to do everything you've wanted to do. And you've achieved all you can achieve. And you've gone as far as you can go in your profession or in your, with, with whatever you dreamed years ago. And yet, at the end of it, when you reach all of it, how's it feel? There's, there's a bit of emptiness there, isn't there? And there's something in us that not only does it feel empty, but we want more. We want more. You want to know why? It's not because of anything outside of us. It's because of what God put inside of us. He set eternity in the human heart, which means anything out here that doesn't rise to that level, an eternal purpose, making eternal progress, it's going to fall short. It's going to feel empty. And he says, no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. In other words, he's put, he's been at work throughout eternity, and he set eternity in here. But on this side of heaven, we see part of it. 
We only get a glimpse. But you know how I think we walk through life. I was thinking about this. Just I was sitting here the other day. I think we think of 2020 or we think about our lives kind of like these walls. That if you could start a timeline on this wall and stretch it all the way to this wall, then we view our years and we view our time very linear, linearly. And so January, we're going to do this, we're going to go here, we're going to do that, and then this happens about mid-year, and then here are my goals as we finish up the year. And, and we tend to see our time as spanning from wall to wall. And Solomon, what he's after here is a complete shift in perspective. He's saying, what if you took a timeline and you, you could extend it out past that wall, and it would rep represent time going all the way back before we were ever here? And if you could extend that line through this wall, and it would represent time as far forward as we could go, and it just keeps going. You know what he says? He says, here's your time right here. I mean, if you could just have like a rope that just kept going that way and kept going that way, he said, listen, you're not wall to wall. You're right here. This, this is your human activity. And you could do all you can to make this about your human activity. And I could do all I can to make this about my human activity. But he says to do that is meaningless. It's meaningless. Or, or you could find a way, you could find a way with this little sliver of time right here. With this little sliver of your human activity here on this earth. To attach it to what God has been doing across this line. He said, that's when it becomes beautiful. It moves from meaningless to beautiful. I mean, I sit there and I think, man, you know, we talk about Michael Jordan. I remember how big everything he was doing was when I was a kid. And yet, it's not even been two decades. And now we're talking about somebody else breaking some of his records, aren't we? It's LeBron James. And it might be another decade, it might be a hundred years, but we'll be talking about somebody else. You see how small this is? If this is about my human activity, and I'm going to get as high as and as far as and make as much progress as I can do, it still amounts to this on God's grand timescale of eternity. But if we could attach it to what God is doing from beginning to end, if we could attach it to eternity, it becomes beautiful. But it's a choice we have to make. In fact, that's what this wisdom literature constantly does, is it sets a choice before us. It sets a choice before us, and it puts a question in front of us. And it's for us, I'd really love for us to just camp out on this, this question. Is my time going to be defined by my human activity or the expression of eternity? Because one of those is pretty meaningless. And one of those is incredibly beautiful. That doesn't mean get rid of your resolutions. That doesn't mean that at all. In fact, what it means is we look at our activity and we go, okay, God, maybe before it was about my human achievement, but maybe after, after engaging with your word, maybe you want to express eternity through my activity in this little slice of time. And so we have a choice every single day. Every single day, whether it's 2020 or for the rest of our lives, 
we have a choice. And what we often do is we make a trade. Deep down, you know that God has set eternity in your heart. But when it comes to the activity in front of us, we make a trade. And we say, well, in pursuit of pleasure, in pursuit of toil, in pursuit of meaning, we often unwittingly, we, we change and we trade eternity for that activity. You know who knew this? There's a story about two brothers, and this goes way back in Scripture in Genesis. Jacob and Esau. Okay, Jacob and Esau, they were twins, but Esau, just by moments, was born first. And because he was the firstborn, he was given what was called the, the birthright. Okay, now the birthright isn't something we're very familiar with in our culture, but the birthright came with all kinds of favor. You got more of the inheritance. Okay, when there were disputes between your siblings, you got to be the judge and the mediator. It came with all kinds of benefits. Well, one day, Esau is out hunting. He goes out hunting, and Jacob decides to stay in the house because Jacob was the kind of boy that liked to make stew, okay? And so Jacob is making this stew, and Esau comes in from hunting, and he says, I'm famished. I am starving. Now, being an older sibling, I never really understood this. I mean, I, understood it, I understand it from one end. But the younger siblings, when the older sibling needs something from the younger sibling, suddenly there is a power shift. And younger ones put up with the older siblings for a while. But then the younger ones, and we're starting to see this in our house, they start to understand they have bargaining power. And so, like, for our younger two, when Lainey wants something from them, she says, let us play with your Legos, or they'll say, let us play with your Legos. No. Let us sleep in your bed. No. Let us, uh, have, let us watch TV when you're watching it. No. And she's like, can somebody, like, get spray? Can we get rid of them? Can we just spray them off? But they have this bargaining power, and this is what Jacob realized in the moment. And he said, you want a bowl of stew? I'll give you a bowl of stew if you give me your birthright. Now, who would make that trade? I mean, who would look at this, this eternal, this gift from the eternal one and trade? Trade what he had put inside them for what was in front of them. Who would do that? Well, Esau did. And you and I do. In fact, every single person in this room has. Because at some point, we looked at our time and thought that the, its greatest meaning would, would come by way of the activity in front of us, that somehow it would make us greater. And the story ends. They made this trade, and it said Esau despised his birthright. And I bet he did, because he couldn't change anything. He couldn't change anything at all. Can you imagine the rest of your life not being able to change that? generations later. You know what God did? He looked at them, and he looked at you and I, and he saw people. He saw people who had exchanged the eternal within them for the temporal in front of them, and he said, I'm going to make it right. He could have demolished all the human race. Instead, he sent his son, and he said, I am going to redeem all of the activity that you traded for. I'm going to redeem all of it. Not only that, I'm going to plant eternity right in front of you. And so for you, as we begin 2020, maybe it's just to chew on this question. 
Is my time going to be defined by my human activity or the expression of eternity? There are some in here that maybe you've heard this and you've heard this and you've heard this. And maybe for the first time, it makes sense. It makes sense that you, that you look at this eternity inside of you. And you say, I want to start living from that place. I'm not worried about how much we measure my own human activity in this little amount of time. But I want to somehow take this little amount of time and tie it to and attach it to the broader beginning to end and beyond that God is up to in eternity. If that's you, as the worship band comes up to play, we have, we have Stephen ministers. They've got badges on, and they're usually in the back here or out in the foyer. If you want to ask the one who traded and made right the trade, his eternity for your activity, if you want to invite him into your life, if you want to trust into what he did to bring eternity to us, I'd invite you to go pray with one of them. You can find me. I'll be in the foyer afterwards. But until next week, until next week, when we get a picture of what this looks like, in the following week, a prayer for what this looks like, and, and as we end January with a practical reality of what this looks like, think on the question, will my time be defined by my human activity or the expression of eternity? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who you looked at us and you looked at the, the trades we've made in this life. You look at the trades we've made where we've, we've looked past the eternity inside of us because we thought that the activity that we go about would somehow fulfill us more. And you saw us with eyes of mercy and compassion and grace. And so I pray this week, as we begin, begin this year, as we look at our time ahead, that you would begin to shape in us open eyes of faith that sure there are times everything under the sun looks meaningless but when we look from your perspective through your eyes there is something beautiful to what you're doing across eternity and we want to be part of that we pray this in Jesus name amen